when I know who the guests are, we sort of think about what might be sort of common themes between them and all. And sometimes something that I might connect to them in some way. So one of the many things I'd like to sort of suggest we might get into today is um, people who left sort of an influence on you when you were younger that you think maybe you either blame or credit for where you are today. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a very small town in the west of Ireland, and there is a lot to be said for growing up in Ballinrobe, County Mayo. But the one thing that Mayo didn't have when I was growing up there was glamour. Now, it had grass and cows and fish and football, but no glamour. Of course, glamour was in short supply in 1970s Ireland anyway, and what little of it there was rarely made it past the Shannon. And it usually came from abroad. You know, when Mrs. Nixon, the wife of the disgraced president, came to Ballinrobe in a helicopter and shook hands with people at the local agricultural show, the whole town practically had a stroke. <laughs> She was like something out of a film. But glamour came to our house once every few years in the shape of my Auntie Cuey and my mother's glamorous younger sister. She even had that very glamorous name, Cuey. Uh, Actually, her name was Columba, but everyone shortened it to Q or Cuey for some reason. Auntie Cuey. And she was gorgeous. She had this rich, husky voice, very redolent of Catherine Hepburn. And she had wanted to be an actress and did a bit on radio, on RTE, but mostly she was just beautiful. Seven different men proposed to her, and in fact, my mother met my father when he came to the house to take Auntie Cuey out. <laughs> but Auntie Cuey said no to all of her suitors until a wealthy American, an ex-naval officer, proposed. Now, he was 25 years her senior, but he was dashing and exciting, and in grey 1950s Ireland, he was in Technicolor, and he took her to America. Now, when I was growing up in 1970s Ireland, America still had a real glamour about it. You know, it was this sort of faraway, exotic place we'd probably never see, where Mary Tyler Moore and Charlie's Angels lived, with giant refrigerators and bouncing hair. <laughs> And Auntie Cooey would arrive to Mayo with her husky drawl in a swirl of beige pantsuits and menthol cigarettes. Cigarettes with mint in them. <laughs> and the glamour would almost knock me over. You know, she would smoke and drawl and sing, W-O-M-A-N, I'll say it again. And she'd, you know, clank her bracelets as she'd take out gifts that were wrapped, you know, like in American movies, with shiny wrapping paper and glittery bows. And inside, we would discover all of these new and amazing things, you know, Pez dispensers, you know, magic tricks, a jumper with a hood on it. <laughs> You know, America had everything. You know, we'd never seen the like. The whole town was talking about us and our jumpers with hoods on them. <laughs> you know, all of the other kids wanted an Auntie Cuey. I wanted to be Auntie Cuey. You know, she was like nobody else I'd ever met. She was exotic and glamorous and different. You know, she was like a character from a movie, a 3D emissary from a 2D world I'd only ever seen in movies or in books. But Auntie Cuey was flesh and blood, undeniable, tangible evidence of this big world out there, you know, somewhere past Roscommon. And I feverishly imagined this other world and fevered to be part of it, you know, this bigger, brighter world full of new and different things, you know, exciting and full of possibilities, you know, where people wore jumpers with hoods on them. 